0: Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Good morning. Welcome back to the
1: Storyteller Studio. We are back in Rockford, Illinois. And I never thought this would happen because our guest today is Dean Irvin. And Dean was always, in my radio world, a non-behind-the-microphone guy. He was always in the sales department. But, of course, you went on to do behind-the-microphone stuff. And Dean this is so good to see you here.
2: It is so good to see you, seeing Liz. I mean it's amazing. I got to tell you. I listen to your voice and it's like butter. <laughs> I'm telling you this guy is so smooth. So Liz, I well, mean thank you. and you know I was hitting on her right before we went on and and I think she's now interested and that's really cool. <laughs> So I'm going to be on every day and week with these guys now as part of their team, because uh, Liz tells everybody she's out of town, so that works out well. But it's good to be with you guys. Man, I'm blown away by what you've done.
1: It's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Did you
2: ask me a question yet? Because yeah. if I did, I forgot it. I know. So I know. This no, is
1: like a Robin Williams thing, isn't
2: it? goodness, it's so cool in here. Man, my compliments to both you Thank and you. Liz. I mean. This is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, we do have stuff, don't we?
2: Oh, it's awesome. And you two, two of my favorite people in all my career of radio right here. Uh, Let's be honest. I didn't like most of the people I worked with. They were jerks. They owe me money. So if they could call me, I'd appreciate it. But I love you two. So, did um, we bring galoshes for this interview? Oh, I know. You know, I always because tell of... my clients, "Yeah, save your pants. It's too late for the shoes." <laughs> you know what? I, I think I'm selling. Uh, by the way, you can give me a call for any of your radio advertising needs. Oh, true story, oh, man. God. You could tell. I'm I'm exhausted already. <laughs> oh, I can tell you though, man. I, I gotta tell you, um, a true story, Ron Galena. and we'll get into all of this. I know. <laughs> One of my favorite stories of all time. I'm a young sales guy. Don't have a lot of money. Got a couple of kids. I'm trying to make it in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Galena had this dress code. Who knew? You come in without a suit. Oh. He yeah. was ready to beat your ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True story. Yeah. Man, so one day I, I I'm out buying a, a sports jacket. It's cool, man. Black camel. It was cool as all get out. I come in, and I'm thinking, I look like a million bucks. Ronald Galena looks at me and goes, what the fuck are you doing, selling Las Vegas trips? You know, he used a a colorful language, let's say. He didn't even know my name, I told you, for the first couple of years. you got to tell this, because there's no rules on podcasts. You have to tell that story. For the first couple of years, honestly, I came in, I was a new guy. (laughs) You know, and and I know you're wondering how I I got into all of this. And I was working. I started at WYBR. Bob Ambrose got me into radio. Mm -hmm. So it's after about six months, ROK had heard about me that I was out selling, and they called and offered me a job. $13,300. I was in, baby. I was making some money. Oh, my. Yeah, you know, I was making money. But Ron Galina, who hired me, Ron was pretty colorful, man. He was just a great guy. I love Ron. Yeah, somebody I just really loved. You either he, loved Ron or didn't like Ron. Yeah, and there he was...
1: li- he lived in his own world. So oh. you you either entered that world and you oh. were a part of it, or you oh. were not in it.
2: Yeah, you better get in it, and yeah. you better get in quick. There <laughs> yeah. were a few rules. I'll tell you about that. But for the first two years, I thought my name was cocksucker because that's all he ever called me. Every time. That's what he called me. And there were no name tags, were there? No, I just figured he didn't know me. And I was young. I didn't want to say anything. I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's fine. I mean, you can call me that. I call myself that now. And actually,
1: nobody else in the room, probably, whether it be Gene or Phil or any of those guys, they never said, oh, you know, that's Dean.
2: Nobody Nobody. corrected him. No. Nobody. You know, so he would do that. But you had certain rules with Ron. You had to be there at 8 o'clock. And then at 11.30, I had to go to lunch with him along with a few people. Every day? Every day. We'd go to lunch together. That was a rule. Is
1: that because you were a
2: rookie? No, it's because he didn't want to go eat lunch alone, I think. (laughs) And then at at night, we played liar's poker with dollar bills.
1: You mean like at the end of the day at 5 o'clock?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You better not leave. Oh, come (laughs) on. True story. That's a true story. Every day. And Ron justified the liar's poker by saying he could tell with salespeople how good they were when it came to trying to figure out.
1: So that was the salespeople's daily air check session. Oh, yeah, pretty
2: much. Yeah, that's what it was. It was really cool. But that was was... sneaky of him. Oh, yeah. Clever, too. It was really cool. I love Ryan Galena. I love that guy. Wow. I mean. So who when you you were first at WROK, if you go around the AM sales room, who was there? Now, I got to tell you, I was uh, 28 years old when I came in. It was like you were going into Hollywood. Really? Honest to goodness, because on the air was like Bill Phillips. There was Doug McDuff. Right. There was uh, Kelly Ryan. Mm-hmm. There was... Uh, Probably Ron l- Jordan. Yes, that's who it was. And yeah. then you had the ZOK side. And then Jan Thorpe was the TV spokesperson for, I believe, <laughs> Blue Backroad. Oh, my. So it was like everybody was like a superstar wow it was crazy but in the sales room we had uh, Phil Davidson uh-huh. uh there was also uh Ted Schultz there was uh, Dave Felker Gene Hendricks Gene Hendricks Gary Hubbard oh Gary yeah. yes so there was all those guys and and here it was and I'm thinking oh my gosh man these guys are all like old dudes <laughs> except for Felker and I'm thinking man I I feel kind of out of place. Well, it goes by quick. And here I am now the old guy. Oh, yeah, it does. It's amazing. I mean, this place was absolutely. And as you look back at your time there, it was like beyond. And Liz, right. Magical is the right word. I mean, you had so many news people. You had engineers. You had. and, And that's unheard of now. Our copywriting you know, was oh, there two was... and three people, yeah. I think. Plus a marketing it... person. Oh. Plus your FM sales. They were not afraid to s- spend some money on all this stuff. No. It was so amazing.
1: Yeah. And that... it was every day, it was always like a beehive. Yes. There was constant energy in the air. Yes. Maybe because of the news department on a particular day. Right. But then it could have been something going on, like an April Fool's joke, on the WROK side. Or maybe on the ZOK side. There was some rock star that came in for an interview. It was it amazing. Was, it was
2: always something. And it was like, that's what you call putting 10 pounds of stuff in a five-pound oh. bag, because that building was so cramped, and so all the salespeople in Ron were in one area, And then they had the ZOK salespeople were down another row. And then there was the news department that was all stuffed in. then there was the radio station, ROK, where they had on the wall all these eight tracks. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this place is so cool. It is. And and really pretty amazing.
1: So you remember the stand-up studio?
2: I do. I do. Wow, you are old. Yeah, I know. Isn't (laughs) it terrible? You and I both. Oh, my gosh. But I'll
1: tell you. Having worked in both of those studios from yeah. an on-air side, yeah. oh my God, it was so much fun for different reasons in both of those studios, for an entirely different reason, and to have the honor of working in both of them was just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I mean, in, it was Ken DeCoster and Bob Pressman decided we want to start doing high school football. Now, I'm a former high school football coach, oh, so... They asked me if I wanted to do it, and I'd be down on the sidelines. Well, technology wasn't exactly what it is now. So you were carrying a a box. I had a Marty on my back with a big old antenna. And for people, I mean, this is something you shoot a signal to. And it's raining and lightning. I'm going, is this thing a problem? Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. It's no problem. So as, as, as God is my witness, man, first time they come down to me. We're, we're doing an East High game. And they, Bob goes, Dean, what's the uh, action? What's it like down on the field? I panic. Here's what my reaction was. Uh, uh, well, Bob, uh, 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 uh. Hey, we're going to get back to Dean. Uh, sounds like we got a little bit of a. A problem sounds yeah. like he's having a stroke. Let's be honest. I sucked. I really sucked. I thought, man, oh man, this is awful. It was t- and nothing's changed. I still suck, but at least I'm older. As I suck now, people don't expect much. So, but you're not the same sucker oh, that no, Ron no, Galina said no. you were. And then I gotta tell you, man. So I've been on. I was doing sports forever. Uh, Steve Brill goes, oh. "We're going to be doing an afternoon talk show," and I go, "Yeah, that's cool. I think I can sell it." So, you thought you were just being put in the loop. Yeah. Not recruited. And he goes, Dean, I think we're going to have you do it. No. I go, me do it. It's like, what the are hell? Are you kidding? I watch you guys, and you guys are so, hey, hey, everybody. And you know, and then there's me. It's like Mushmouth Sam here. Do we do and that, so, Liz? Oh, no, hey, you guys hey. Hey, 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 play some music because we're cool. You know what? Uh, we're really cool. Uh, but anyway, so I go on. Man, I'm scared out of my – because it's an hour of talking. When you got me that doesn't know anything, man, my shtick is making people laugh, not to go and talk about the issues of the day. No. Because then I'm going to piss somebody off because I'll get a client that goes, hey, I really like this. Okay, great. And I suck. I'm sorry. So I Well, did and that. usually
1: stand-up is only, what, 20 minutes long? And here you got to fill 40 oh, yeah. more minutes.
2: So I started doing – it got – okay. I mean, I loved it, you know, so I was doing some of that, and I did the Mr. Joke of the Day oh. with Joe Soto. Okay, That worked well. He really liked the one, I'll never forget it, you know, it was uh, talking about Mexican judo. Judo know whether I have a gun or judo, know whether I have a, a knife, and, and Soto and I would get into it. He had, his bit was, that's not funny. i go, no, it's kind of funny. He's like, no, no, it's not funny. You know, and so we'd go that kind of way. God. So that was kind of the shtick. <laughs> so that was the long answer. I don't remember the question, but. I you know. honestly don't remember it. Has anybody used the word that I've used so far on this? N- no. Of the first? Yeah. Understand Thank you. Understand.
1: Thank you. There's been a couple of shits every now and a couple oh, of dams. Yeah. Uh, but I
2: use. I mean, I went right to the big stuff. You did. I'm not even messing around. You with it. You did. You know what? You pull You pull out the big
1: baseball bat on yeah, that one. Yeah, you got to. Hey, got I've to. got a story that is not connected to radio, but yeah. it's connected to your family. That is the most bizarre situation that we sandy and i still talk about it
2: i'm so disappointed with my kids (laughs) (laughs) i hate them personally i do uh, and i used to say that on the air they're an embarrassment to me because i'm really kind of cool and i think one's getting out of prison coming up
1: you speak sarcasm fluently don't you thank you so here we are in new york city okay and we've done the tour thing and then we're going down to what is now ground zero okay and of course there's a thousand people on the sidewalk. I kid you not, my son is over in an alley. He's maybe a junior in high school. Sure. He's in an alley buying a Rolex lookalike out of a briefcase <laughs> from a guy that, of course, they don't want the police to see that they're doing that. And I'm still walking down the, the sidewalk. I mean, you think of this ocean of people, and yeah. I see this one little person, Yeah. and I go, Sandy, oh my God, I think that was Deborah." I said, I've got to go, go back and see if it was her, because I'm that convinced that it was her. And sure enough, it was. And yeah. your daughter, Kelly, was with her. Yeah. And of course, Kelly, I had not seen since she was four years old, Little Miss Sunbeam, right? Yeah. And they were there at the Jarvis Center for buying things for the porch. So I haul them back to our group, and we get in front of the fire station number one. We take a picture, we introduce, we tell the other people, hey, this is how I know her, so on and so forth. Hugs, 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 see you later, thanks, this is so weird. All right, fine. The next day... Our next thing on the list was going to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So we get on the boat. We go over there. Very nice day. We're farting around, you know. And I said, Sandy, oh, my God, look right over there. And there stood Debbie and Kelly. Wow. So I went up behind them, and I said something smartass, you know, behind them, like I was a creepoid or something, you know. And she said, well, where are we going to go tomorrow? Where are you planning to go to dinner tonight? Because I'm sure we're going to see you there. I've never seen Debbie or Kelly since then, but there it was in New York City. Isn't that
2: weird? It is weird to spot that little bitty person. They're not likable. Let's be (laughs) honest. Seriously, they're not. Uh, But I'm not bitter. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is that's really kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And here, Kelly was almost my height. And I hadn't seen her since she was maybe four years old. And, yeah. it, God, it was so cool. Yeah. So, anyway, that was it. And Eric did get his Rolex, and he still Very got cool. it. Yeah, and
2: stuff like that. That's awesome.
1: So, where did you come from to walk into the WROK doors? What was your past? You mentioned WYBR.
2: I worked for WYBR. A guy, uh, Bob Ambrose, like, hired me. Oh, Sure. There. Yeah, That was the weirdest six months of my life. And I love Bob. Bob and I were as close as brothers. So I was out doing some selling, and I think it was Phil Davidson, to be honest with you, that gave my name to Ron. And they called me in to do an interview that was on a Friday. And he goes, if you want to start on Monday, you can start. It was that quick, so I did. That's how it all happened. I mean, you've heard about ROK. You heard about Fred Spear and Bill Phillips and all these guys. These guys are like legends, they're yeah. superstars. and they're and now yeah. they're
1: in the uh, break room sharing a sub with you. Isn't it crazy? It, it,
2: it's it's sort of crazy. Works. And one of the highlights of my career is over at the other group, I had Fred as my partner for several years on my afternoon thing. He had come yeah. in for a few days a week. Love Fred, man, he's got the stories. He's a walking
1: he's, encyclopedia. Yeah, He's a great and guy. You know I, guy. I Liz and I have talked about this too. Because we've had such a variety of people come into the storyteller studio. Right. Salespeople, on air people, AM people, FM people, news people. But I'll tell you, when you have a news person come in, they are like Ken DeCoster. Right. They are prepared. Their stories are not blurred at all because they're a news person. Yeah. It is factual. It is matter of fact. They know. Yes. So when we have lunch every so often with Doug McDuff and Fred Spear, and Fred will start talking about you know, like when Rayleigh Stewart escaped or something like that. Yeah. He's telling the story as if it happened yesterday it's because amazing. it's yeah. that vivid in his mind. You just sit there and you just, you, you, yeah, you just have your mouth hanging open in awe because, you know, Fred's 86 years old. He, so that's a big encyclopedia. Right. And he yeah. doesn't forget anything. No it's really crazy, no, And he I still
2: don't. has the drama. Of telling the story yeah you know I had him do cat in the hat in the Fred Spear voice (laughs) and you know where he did the drama reading and I kept that that was like one of the coolest things (laughs) coolest ever
3: the Sun did not shine it was too wet to play so we sat in the house all that cold cold wet day I sat there with Sally we sat there, we too. And I said, how oh, I wish we had something to do. Too wet to go out. Too cold to play ball. So we sat in the house. We did nothing at all. So all we could do was to sit, sit, sit. And we did not like it. Not one little bit and then something would bump and that bump made us jump we looked and then we saw him step in on that mat we looked we saw him
2: the cat in the hat and you know you talk about news guys Mm -hmm. man the sight of these guys they are so competitive Mm -hmm. one of my favorite stories guys We're going about 1986. East High was playing for the state football championship. It's Bob Pressman, Ken DeCoster, and I are going down to cover the game. Ken and Bob both have these memories that they remember everything. So they're playing Sports Trivial Pursuit. Oh. and I mean it's going back and forth it's serious
1: who would want to step in and do that with Mr. Baseball Oh, I know so because oh. he knows all the sports well there yeah. was a
2: question something about Notre Dame okay and I go guys I don't know a lot of sports I know Notre Dame and Pressman didn't have an answer he goes well I'll go with what Irvin says we'll go with what the answer is yeah. this on the air no, this is in okay. the band. In the band. Okay, okay. It's the wrong answer. I heard about that shit all weekend long. God damn it, you told me the wrong name. God. Because now and,
1: they're going to take your answer oh, and put it in their little encyclopedia. So
2: all of a sudden, oh, God. he's bitching at me the whole week. And now even when I see you know, Pressman, it's like, hey, how's Notre Dame? It's like, okay. Dude, this was 40 years ago. You're still can't you, a true story, man. Can't you here's let it go? <laughs> oh, my Lord. And so you try to get oh. involved, obviously, because all I was doing was sitting there listening to these two fools talk about
1: sports. And it's not you like know. you embarrassed them on the air. Yeah, this is know, in a van. In
2: a van. Oh, <laughs> you asked to cost that story. We died laughing. I oh. mean, Bob was like, are you kidding me? You know, like, oh, my God. Now, so that was kind of cool. You know, the behind-the-scenes stuff going to these oh games. My. Oh, wow. I'll never help again. Okay, <laughs> if you don't want the wrong answer, I'm not helping. So, <laughs> to hell with you. Uh,
1: what, yeah. there, was a, there was a TV space for you, wasn't there? When, when you were at WROK. Right. Th- was it before you went there or was? after?
2: I was at ROK. Came there about 1981. Left in 87 okay. to go to WTVO. And it was just a crazy little raise. Uh, Nothing against TVO. They're nice, nice people. It was miserable for me because my whole social and everything was based on the guys at ROK. Yeah. You know, we just, we did everything together. The sales department would all go fishing. I'm not a fishing guy. (laughs) But I would go.
1: He's not a trivia and, guy either. And, oh, no. I'm starting to think. <laughs> you just jump in no matter what. Ladies and
2: gentlemen, I suck pretty much at everything. Uh, so, you know, so I came back. Uh, I think it might have been around eighty-nine, ninety, somewhere in there. Because I had went to a family business for a year or so. And then. You worked for Herb. I did at Mid-City. Yes. So then I went back to the radio station. And I was there till about 2006, and then I went back across street to where I'm still currently at. Um, So
1: you've been down on Sandy Hollow from 2006 to now? Correct.
2: Holy moly. Yeah. Wow. Doesn't that seem like two entire lifetimes? It's a lot of lifetimes ago, guys. (laughs) It It really is. And you know what's funny? When I think of ROK and ZOK, you think about all the different people you work with, and I'm not... Blow smoke, guys. You guys are so talented, and you look well. Thank you. And you think, holy moly, the talent that was over at this place. And you hear like Joe Soto in Chicago, and Lisa Dent, and yeah, you know, Lisa Fielding, and yeah. I mean, this is big time, man. And,
1: and for everybody that has sat in your seat, yeah, we hear the exact same thing because they will. Talk about John Arthur and yes. M.J. Ryan and um, Jim LaBelle. You remember those uh, yeah. guys? And, I and, remember and them And all, Jeff yeah. Wicker and Randy Cook. I oh. mean, the list just—it just keeps going and going and going.
2: Mind-boggling. And going. It is.
1: And we also talk about too. I don't know if this was when Steve Summers was here, but there are times where you will spend. Let's say, for instance, you know, it's this particular person. They spent only a year at WROK. Right. But they will go somewhere else, let's say St. Louis, and they'll spend five years. They do not have the connections, the personal connections with the people in St. Louis that they do
2: at ROK, and they were only here for just a blip. One of my favorites was a guy, Lee Carrick, who oh did my. something. my. And yeah. Lee was crazy. I oh. mean, let's be honest.
1: Oh, and he, he was he was blunt.
2: Yeah, he was blunt. He'd tell me the story. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of calls last night. Dean So what I did is I said there was some damn dog barking. So I went out, and I had to kill it. I killed it, and the phones would go crazy, he said. And and yeah. he always oh, yeah. said this on the air. Yeah, I'm not making this stuff up. No. And then all of a sudden, one day, Lee comes in, and I'm going, Lee, you look orange, man. And he goes, are you kidding me? You're kidding me, Dean. You're just such a no, I'm really not kidding you. He was starting to fail. He had to go into the hospital. True story. He was turning orange. Before, you oh. know, he was like one of those Loopa Loopa guys. Oh, you no. Know? Yeah, true story. But Lee was a crazy man. I mean, I really liked him, but he was. There is so many characters yes. in this business. You can't be normal. No, no, you, you can't. can't. No, can't. And, you know, you when you're. Liz, am I right? No, you can't. And, and even when you think
1: about being on the air. Right and you see the newsroom across the way right. and you see the production room on the other side. Right. Okay, so you're just sitting there doing your thing or you're walking in, you're asking me about a promotion or whatever. Right. And of course these people are very busy over in the newsroom, but then you've got this person over in the production room, whoever it may be, and they look like they're having a fit. Right. It's because what they're doing on a commercial is just so energetic and it may involve a couple of people. You know, Spiff Karner is a really good example. And he would look, because you can't hear anything, he would look like he is just pissed off at the world. Well, he's not. He's just energetic about what he's reading. Oh,
2: my gosh, he's crazy. And then when you hear that spot, it's like, whoa, man, that's really good. Some great stuff, man. Yeah. It was great stuff. And
1: thank God we have some of it still on digital and on reels and on cassettes. Thank God people have been pack rats because otherwise it's gone.
3: (laughs) you <laughs> Sometimes it seems so difficult to decide what to have for lunch at the Branding Iron. It almost seems like a lifetime. Hi, welcome to the Branding Iron. May I take your order? Uh, We'd like just a few more minutes to decide, please. At the Branding Iron, you can take as long as you like to order. The waitresses are very patient. How about it? Have you decided yet? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Could we just have a a little more time? The folks at the Branding Iron realize it's not easy to choose between the mouth-watering salad bar, the taste-tempting buffet, and the delicious sandwiches, burgers, and entrees on their luncheon menu.
0: Hi, folks. Are you ready to order
3: now? Hey, say, you're not our waitress. Uh, now, where did she go? <laughs> well, she left some time ago, a few years after you folks came in. Hmm. Well, you've been deciding what to have for lunch. Well, her kids graduated from college, and she retired, and she moved to Florida, and then... Well, I. Uh... You folks are
4: patient. Would the owners of an 83 antique convertible please move it? It's blocking our space ramp. That's our car. Shocks,
3: we're just ready to order. (laughs) The Branding Iron, 1011 South Alpine, across from Colonial Village.
2: What you guys have done here at this studio is absolutely mind-blowing. Well, thank you. Steve Summers told me, he said, Dean, you're not going to believe it. He said, you'll be there and looking at this stuff, and it's like 40 years back to remember this stuff. And you remember, there was a reason ROK and ZOK had a 40 share. Oh, yeah. There was no way on God's green earth. I mean, you look at this stuff, and it's like, wow. And, and the idea of somebody, maybe let's let's take five people out of the
1: building. I'm I'm just making something up here. You say you take five people out of that building, and they say, ooh, you know, we could duplicate this a mile down the road and do just as well because we've worked here. No, that formula does not work. It did. Because there's some kind of an energy. There's some kind of a wizard in that back room somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It does. It's it's unbelievable. It is crazy. God knows people have tried to take whatever that magic is, And they'll go to another state. John Arthur is a good example. Sure enough, they're back. Yeah. Because of just the way things have turned or just it's not the same. And, you know, honestly, I felt the same when I went to Charleston, West Virginia. All kinds of mountains, all kinds of wilderness. You got to keep looking over your shoulder for the bear. Yeah. Okay. But the thing that I noticed the most, we didn't have a park district like Rockford did. It's amazing. But think of what you did have. But yet the organization and the feel was not of the Park District, and that's what I noticed the
2: most and what I missed the most about being here, and it has nothing to do with radio, obviously. Everybody had their role. Vern Nolte had his role at the uh, country clubs. You had Dave Salisbury, Mm -hmm. who had his role. You had Galena that -hmm. did his thing, and then the sales, and then the on-air people and some of the different promotions They they did was like crazy before their time.
1: Well, honestly, that's where you and I worked the most.
2: Right. Because when I would dream up something,
1: or Steve Summers on the ZOK side, because he and I were both promotions director, we would dream up some... Half cocked idea somewhere along the line. Right. And of course, you know, either Mr. Nolte or the program director at the time, which would either be Charlie Quinn or Kipper McGee, we'd sort of bounce it off of them, you know, just to sort of get a feeler, just to see if anybody's, yeah. you know, tugging on our bobber. Well, then when we figured out that, yeah, but this is something that may happen, my next trip was into the AM sales to right. talk to Dean, yeah. not to talk to anybody else. And I said, all right, here's the deal. Here's sort of what we're thinking. And, of course, I could see the gears in your head going, well, I could get a sponsor for that. Well, yeah. I could get distribution yeah. locations for that. And you did. Yeah. And without you as that extra arm, wouldn't have happened.
2: Everybody was so afraid of Ron, how he dealt with things. I love Ron, but he always <laughs> knew that I was... If the middle was where you should be, I was way out in right field or left field. You know, not afraid to do or take chances. And So you so, suck at baseball, too, oh, because you huh. don't know where to stand. I don't even know where to go. Are you kidding? So, yeah, and, and I do have context. I'm not a smart guy. I know people, and I've been around, and I know Rockford, so I could normally get some things taken care of or done. You were the it's, master of putting people together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it was like... Uh, I, I, they used to call me a little bit of the puppet master where you'd have things going all over the place. Yes. You know, it's who so true. Knows,
0: I, I
1: remember walking into the AM studio, the AM uh, sales room and Kipper and I had talked about this for a New York minute. I mean, literally three sentences and Kipper goes, okay, it's your show. Do what you want to do. Okay. All right. So I wanted to come up with this contest type thing and I needed to have prizes And of course, you know, we wanted a sponsor to jump on board. So I walk into Dean and I say, I've got this idea. I want to do the Invisible TV quiz. Oh, yeah. (laughs) God bless Dean. You never got the title of that promotion correct. Correct. Great. Great. (laughs) Super. (laughs) He, He called it everything but the Invisible TV quiz but you got me sponsors yeah, and, you, I, got, and <laughs> you got me prizes. And of course he goes in, I know, he goes into the sponsor and says, Hey, Tim Larson's doing middays. And, you know, after the 11 o'clock sock copy, he's going to do this and whatever you called it. Yeah, I don't know.
2: It was never right. <laughs> and they said, yes, yes, mm-hmm. we're on board. I, yeah. A lot of people that were <laughs> very, very kind. I mean, because I was in the sales end, I do some of these different promotions one I'll never forget. My biggest account was the Clock Tower. And Fred I Snow. Fred Snow. Yes. Okay. Rex Parker. Right. Yeah. So I decided, because ZZ Top came out with legs. Okay. So I thought we would do a tan line, or show your tan, and they did it to legs. Okay, it made sense to me. How <laughs> did... It wasn't my fault three strippers got in this contest for the money, and they were totally <laughs> naked out running on the stage... And my client what? is going, Dean, what are you doing? And Where I go, was the stage? At Figs? Yeah, it was at the Quark. Oh, at the Quark, yeah. And it was like, what? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. How do you get out of this? You know? You go and grab a was, coat. And this was
0: yeah. ongoing. Yeah. Oh, that God. was
2: one I'll never forget. The other one I'll never forget. You know, because I was a guy who never could say no. There was some guy having a karate demonstration. I think I sold him a little bit of an ad schedule. He goes, hey, do you think I can come in? And show him how it works. I said, well, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm able, if somebody hits me in the throat, I can flex or whatever. And it, I don't even feel it.
1: So he came into the radio station? Came
2: into the radio station. I'm the genius that takes my youngest <laughs> daughter, Amy, with me. She's two years old. Okay, it gets better. It's, a, it's at night. And I'm thinking, who am I going to get to have him punched in the throat? Well, I'd worked it out. Where JD Stewart on ZOK said, I'll come and punch that some (laughs) bitch. I said, okay, JD, come on in. How did I know? He was drinking that night. It was a Friday night. He's drinking on the air. He comes in. He's half drunk. Not half. I'm being kind. He was drunk. JD was drunk. And I go, the guy goes, okay, you got to hit me in the throat. I'll flex. Don't worry about it. JD goes, okay. He (laughs) wears back, hits the guy. In the jaw, his face explodes. Blood goes all over the place. No. My daughter is screaming, <laughs> and it's like, I ended up taking the guy to the hospital. <laughs> and it's like, what just happened? I said, J.D., you missed his throat. Oh. Hey, I tried. I was trying <laughs> Missed Hits him in the jaw.
1: Well, first of all, that's classic J.D. Stewart. jd had an edge to him oh and for you to put those two together that was fantastic yeah i
2: was a genius that way oh my god i remember i remember your little girl and she
1: was probably four or five at the time you had unlocked the lobby door i was on the air from nine until noon on a saturday right she knew her way around the radio station right i mean she was just a little bitty kid Somehow you said, go past daddy's office and what now how this kid was ever expected to open up those thick studio doors. I will have no idea. So you sent her in and obviously she couldn't push open the door between the hallway and in between the newsroom and in the R.O.K. studio. Right. So that little girl had to have gone around the FM sales and through the newsroom because there were no doors there in order to climb up on our mailboxes. Do you remember the mailboxes in between the news and the ROK studio? But you told her to come in and get Tim. So she climbs up on the mailboxes and peers in the window. So she looks like Kilroy. (laughs) And I'm going, what in the hell is she doing? So I go out, and she goes, my daddy's outside. He ran out of gas. Yeah. (laughs) There was something where your meter didn't work on your car or yeah, something, yeah, and you thought I, you I had gas? Told,
2: yeah, I really uh, had some real nice cars. So, yeah, so, you
1: were in sales. Yeah. How did yeah, that work?
2: Uh, you know what? It was so stupid. At my funeral, all you guys are going to be able to say, this guy was an idiot. You know, let me tell you. We'll have favorite, material. Seriously. I mean, give me a break. You know, it's something else. So. But
1: somehow you made it work.
2: Yeah, I know, I'm i not sure why. And, People felt sorry for and me. And you,
1: you made it work for over a year or two. That's the, that's the sort of yeah. cool part about yeah. it. How did you end up, because I've always known you as a salesperson. Right. And after I got out of the radio industry, all of a sudden you were doing all this sports and stuff. How right. did you end up doing color? Is it because
2: you didn't step back quick enough when they asked for a volunteer? You know what it was is because I had a background in football as a football coach, And as these teams were coming up, there were a lot of kids that played for me. So I knew them all. It was like I could give you insight that nobody else could give you.
4: Oh, um,
2: that's cool. In fairness to Ron, we were not doing – they used to do sports years and years back. We stopped, and I told him, I said, Ron, I think there's some money in this. And he goes, let's try it. And it went well.
1: So what usually determines whether they start or stop sports? Is it because the sports teams are not – progressing is because you can't get a sponsor because
2: you can't get staff to call the games or a combination of that you know you really got to have the sponsors that's the big thing you get it and you guys know in this business money talks if there's money they're going to try to do something yeah one of my favorite stories with high school sports i used to go and say nobody can hear us i'd go out and they'd go dean i can't i'd like to sponsor you but I can't hear you we're in Belvedere because they lowered the power at, at night. night of course so me being the genius I am oh you're <laughs> we've, gonna love this we've one. we've heard
1: this before has he he's been a genius in more than oh, one case
2: yeah so what <laughs> happened I talked to the engineer and I go hey what happens if the power goes down and we should have it up he goes oh you hit this right here and so he showed me how to go to full power not thinking I'm gonna do it. <gasps> so every Friday night I would push it up to full power. You did not. And they start getting calls from a station in Detroit. Hey, you're bleeding over.
1: The FCC is having <laughs> diarrhea
2: when you do that. <laughs> that oh is true God. story.
1: Are true you story. kidding me? And, and go, then when you would come back with the equipment, you'd flip it back down you again. Got
2: it. Well, and that's go, well,
1: that screwed Bobby B. Soder on the overnights, know, didn't and it? And they <laughs>
2: go, what what happened? I go, I don't know. Did something <laughs> happen? Yeah. Oh, so. God. And that was doing that. My other engineering story, I'm doing a basketball game, I'm sorry, over at Belvedere High School with Chris Clark. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was a night that ROK was doing their Christmas party. Okay. The engineer goes, Dean, do you think you can – Oh, yeah, I've seen it done a million times. Don't worry about it. So we had the van with the big mass that goes up. Mm-hmm. It had been raining and slating and ice, and the thing froze. So I'm going, I don't know what to do. I'm not staying here. So we got it down part way. I look at Clark. He's got his own car. I said, just follow me. I think it's low enough. We're not going to have any problem. We get out half a block from Belvedere High School. I'm hearing some strange noise, maybe this mast. We better turn around. We'll leave it. You can give me a ride. I go down the street. Next thing I hear is this, and this mast hits these wires, electric, cable knocks oh, yes. the whole street out the thing breaks oh. in the street some guy yells out what the hell's going on i go i don't know on a friday, friday night friday night <laughs> and i rip sighting off his house uh with the wires going in the police show up who was driving this and Clark and I both at the same time pointed at each other and said, he was. And so I was friends with the sheriff, Dwayne Worth, over in Belvedere, and he came. And he goes, yeah, let him go. But that was a story where they told me I will never be allowed to do anything engineering <laughs> again. I come in, and I had my own little office, not because I was important, more because I was a, a problem child. So they had this mask over my my office they had a big sign I had I said where's the siding from and the guy said you might as well take that damn siding it came off my house I can't use it and so they had that there and yeah. so
1: you had a memento from the night oh
2: yeah I kept that up for the rest of my career that is ROK. hilarious yep true story oh, yeah I God. can't imagine why they didn't like me I'm trying to think <laughs> So, you know, I had to be pretty good at sales because otherwise they would have dumped my ass. Yeah. They would have said, okay, this guy's an idiot.
1: So, the minute they think and they have that little mini committee meeting and they say, you know, I think we ought to show Dean the door. Then somebody else comes in and says, yeah, but look, 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 look
2: at the orders he That's brought in what today. It is. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, and I was telling you this story before we started this. 87, I'm leaving to go to TVO. Vern Nolte, who I've never really talked to Vern a whole lot. Just you, you know, we're just... I've been there for seven years, but I'm afraid of him. He looks like Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, I saw that movie, The Birds. I thought he was going to have me killed, so I don't talk to him. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, ah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you're you're really a part of our family, uh, Dave. Uh, you mean so much, uh, Dave. We really don't want to lose you. And I'm thinking, is this guy jacking me around? And I don't want to say my name's Dean. I'm thinking, yeah, he didn't know my name. It was like. Oh my God. And you were there seven years. Seven years. But yeah, he never came in there. You know, it was like uh. But
1: he but he was he was like that grandfather that had a oh. hundred grandkids. Oh. And if they don't have name tags, you just you know, you've got Tim and Tam and Pam oh, yeah. and he Stam and him. Sam and, know. Him. You know, it's really tough to keep them all. And he it, stayed out of it. And think of the revolving door. You yeah. know, if if the PDs or Ron Galena or Dave, even Dave Salisbury, yeah. if they were his buffer. Oh, and he's running the business. That's what those guys yeah, are paid to did. do. He yeah. never go,
2: never get in the way. But he didn't know my name, and I knew that he really loved oh. me and cared for <laughs> me. <and> that <laughs> was a lot of fun. And
1: you know, Vern was always one of that, one of those people, yeah. that led through presence. And I say that yeah. that he didn't really say a whole lot, but every so often he would walk through the building. Right. So you know he's around, and you know he's yep, listening, yep. and you can't sort of go off in left field because the owner is a stone's throw away. Yeah. And, of course, now the corporate deal, yeah, you know, its totally you, you, right. you maybe never
2: meet the owner, ever, Right, but he always strolled through. Right, right. I should have wore a name tag. It was my fault. <laughs> You know, seven years. I could see where you just start to get to know somebody. There were, you know, forty of us in the building. I mean, you don't expect him to know everybody. Hey, well, and
1: Vern probably didn't feel comfortable calling you cocksucker
2: either. Yeah. Well, you know, he didn't know my name. Uh, I did <laughs> ask maybe everybody. Maybe all he knew for the for the longest time. I said, hey guys, if you could just call me cock, that would be awesome. Um, that would be really really cool. And. Uh, you know, so I would for, enjoy for, that. First yeah.
1: name Cog, second name suck, and you know, Sucker.
2: And you know, everybody, Liz, sorry, not that you. Uh, oh, Liz, Liz, is, is, said, yeah, Liz is so sensitive. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what she's going to do. And you uh, know, everybody that's going <laughs> to listen to this that I've worked with, the Coster and, and everybody are going to go, yeah, nothing's changed. He is that. You know, first of all, nobody liked me, Tim. I, I don't know why. They, they really didn't like me. Well, in the
1: future storyteller studio episodes, yeah. that'll be one of our questions. Why didn't you like Diner? Yeah, would
2: you mind? Doing we will, that? and I, we will, and we'll I, transcribe I it. That, yeah, because yeah. they didn't like me. As a matter of fact, I'm getting kind of depressed with this now. And uh, you know what? I, now I'm seeing why I left. I but, mean, but I didn't fit in. Everybody had talent, and, and I'll never forget. You know everybody get these big birthday cakes from jan and no me, did they oh yeah and with me she cut half a cake and put the candles on it put it in a mirror so it looked like i had the whole thing <laughs> you know so that was uh <laughs> kind of cool they didn't want to spend all the money on me hey um, speaking of jan yeah and and
1: food and distribution of yeah. just niceties did you remember going to any of the wine sucks
2: I, I remember being there now i don't know if you guys know this true story i don't normally talk about. I've never have drank in my life. Really? Yeah, I don't know what. I just wouldn't do it. Wow. It's the only time Ron and I really kind of had words, really serious words, is one of the things at Christmas parties, he had a tradition that all new salespeople had to drink a flaming shot, and it was Chartreuse. he had put it on fire, and you drank it. That was his tradition. you had. To do it. That was Ron's hazing. That was his hazing. That was from like his college days.
1: Oh.
2: Gary Knoll asked him about the hazing. He let the glass get hot, put the glass up there, burned his face. Mm. And I just said, Ron, it's just I don't drink. I don't drink. To be honest, my dad was a bad alcoholic, and I just saw the other sides of it. I just said I just won't do it. uh, I don't judge. I don't care. Totally understand. And I said, if I have to walk, I have to walk. But that's where the line was drawn in the sand. And he goes, Dana, I'll let you get away, but don't say anything. Okay. One thing, when I think of Jan Thorpe, I got to tell you, she is a lady that loved that station, still loves it, I'm sure. That was her life. She was amazing. With any promotion, you think about the Chili Shootout, you think about the rap race. Sure. Oh, I yeah. I always think about, that's Jan Thorpe. Oh, you think of the behind-the-scenes
1: stuff that she did.
2: That's what she does. And everybody can take credit. Make no mistake about it, Jan was the best there was, Mm -hmm. just an amazing, amazing talent.
1: Well, you also think she was the constant over the years, because those two promotions that you mentioned went on for years. Talent comes and goes, program directors come and go, salespeople come and go. But the reason that those things kept so constant and so solid in the community is because of people like Jan yeah, behind and the then scenes. Later,
2: Stephanie over there. Oh, sure. Joined her and Steph is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, but those two behind the scenes were absolutely amazing. I don't know if there'll ever be anyone like them. No. To be able to pull this stuff off.
1: And I look at, now that you mentioned that, I sort of go back in my mind of the behind the scenes people at the other radio stations I worked for. Right. No, they didn't participate at all. They came in, they did their
2: accounting, they did their traffic, they went home. They are truly amazing. Yeah. I mean, I love them both. And uh, without them, you would never have accomplished half. They won't take credit for it. I guarantee Jan would not take credit for anything, but she was a Huge Mm -hmm. part of this. And she had John Nolte's ear and and also Vern's and really Ron's too.
1: Well, when you look around at the pictures that we have here, Jan can't deny it because she's in all these pictures.
2: She's amazing.
1: Again, if she was the traffic person or the accounting person at the other radio stations, I don't have pictures of those people from other radio stations because
2: they never showed up. No. No. She was was something very, very special.
1: Did you ever have a remote? That either you were on as a talent or you were there because you had sold the remote and you were just sort of the support was either memorable or went south or
2: <laughs> anything like that. I get the feeling this guy knows inside dirt on me and I can't lie. No,
1: I'm looking for dirt.
2: I account for you to give me dirt. All right. I'll tell you my story. <laughs> I was doing a remote because I was able to do some remote.
1: So did you, did you sell it and you were the talent? I was. Okay. Okay.
2: I sold it, and I was the talent. That was the good part. (laughs) The bad part, we were sold out, and they couldn't go on the air, but they didn't know it. We had this big trailer called the Big Macs. Yes. Yes. Do you guys remember that? Yes. And there were big speakers in it.
1: Oh, gigantic. Everything was gigantic about that thing.
2: So what I did is I would go in, and when a commercial break came, I'd cut the radio station, open up the speakers, and act like I'm talking. Hey, we're here. And it was a fake remote. The oh. guy comes up after the remote goes, Dean, that was absolutely the best thing I've ever done. We got to book this. And I saw, so, I don't like to do a lot of my, I like to make sure people can do them. The next day I get called in, uh, Dean, did you have a remote last night? Uh, no, no, there's no remote. <laughs> um, where were you at? Um, well, I went over to this, business you ever pull that trick again i'll fire you i won't think second about it i did a fake remote it was the best one i've ever done <laughs> Swear to god. that was uh dave Salisbury. oh my thank god thank you very much you have the biggest balls i think i've ever oh, known you know, in inter- radio it's crazy you don't do that no
1: and yeah, but i, mean, I didn't want to tell the people no but it was one thing if you showed up with the marty on your
2: back and you were the guy and you had a banner
1: but you showed up with big Macs. yeah
2: and that's where, I, that's where I made my downfall, because we had a, a janitor, Chuck Nuccio, that oh, I used know. to drive the big man. No, Pete. Pete. Pete, Pete, Pete Nuccio. Nuccio. Yes, it was. Yes. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Pete. Chuck was Chuck Doyle. Yeah. Yeah. He cleaned up other stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah Chuck Doyle. But, yeah, Pete. And he took it over there on a truck, because you can't. Ch- this uh, thing was bigger than a mobile home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So You had to have help with it. So he was telling them he was doing that. I never thought to tell him, don't (laughs) say anything. But, oh. Yeah, but Pete, I'll tell you,
1: love Pete. But when you say, don't say anything, Pete was the biggest rumor mill. Because you think about it. He's in every office. He's in every department because he's oh, maintenance. And he
2: loved that.
1: Oh, and he thrived on it. And Where if, were if, you
2: when I needed you?
1: If he, if he could start that fire over here and then he'd have something brewing over here and all of a sudden they would both get together, oh, my God, he accomplished his stuff for the day.
2: Yeah, And you're right, guys. You guys were such professionals. You do what well, you're supposed you. to do. You do it the right way. Me, I'm just, ugh. You know, I, hey, nobody's going to know this, you know, and the guy's praising me and I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. And
1: you're thinking nobody's going to know this because it's not on the air. Correct.
2: (laughs) That's what it was. That's a true story. I mean, but they had me at some great things. Uh, You remember on the waterfront. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. They booked me there for a, a shopping show I did on ROK on Saturdays. It was great. The thing opens up at eleven o'clock, and they had me there from eight to ten. It was really cool. I got to talk to some people that were <laughs> emptying garbage cans, and that was really neat, you know, so I really knew I had made it, and uh that that I was really doing well. Uh, me and the garbage guys were down there, you know they're still cleaning up the vomit from the night before, so it was really kind of cool that I'm down there uh, just sitting there by myself, and it was like. Okay, you know, I hear a bird, and then I'm looking up the sky, and I notice you have two pictures of me on the wall. That's very nice. Thank you very much. You know, and I never realized I was a fat guy. I never realized that. I always thought I looked skinny in this body. Liz, no wonder when I hit on you before you were married, you didn't come out. At- you wouldn't. I know, see. but you lose like 50 pounds I, when you're on the radio. I know. I know. Is and I weird? used to hit on her. I thought, okay, I've got some magic here. You know, Liz is going to think I'm really cool. We'll start dating. Every, uh, I call her up. Hey, Liz, you know, what are you doing tonight? Want to go to dinner? Uh, I can't. I can't. Uh, my cousin's coming in. And and, and she loved her cousin because that cousin came in every week. <laughs> it was awesome. I was kidding. God, Brian, give me a break. Yeah, you know, know. She loved you for crying out loud. God, he's so sensitive. I know. She you know? chose
1: him for crying
2: I out know. loud. I know it. Can you believe that? Because he's got good looks and money and talent. I hate that. God, I hate guys with <laughs> talent. That's why I love McDuff. <laughs> you know McDuff and I could get along. Doug was a big inspiration to me. I don't know if you guys remember. We were always leading the way with new, uh, new things. They were big into the AM stereo and. Galena got us these uh, pagers. This was before cell phones, man. You didn't have a cell phone. What you did, you'd have to stop and put money in a coin thing or. Yeah. And a pager would have a number and you'd call. Yeah. And so. Well, I remember. Me being the trickster in the room with McDuff and Hendricks and all these guys, McDuff would leave. He'd get off the air at nine. He'd go, and you know he was going to have breakfast. He wasn't going to sell nothing. He'd keep his pager in the desk and so he'd leave it behind yeah forget it so I would call and say Doug give me a call Doug give me a call and hang up well this thing would go beep beep Galena in the same room with all of us opens his drawers to see this he is cussing a blue streak because
1: he can't keep track of his salespeople now he
2: can't do this damn it you know he's supposed to carry this and I do this you know, when you'd have the phone and the little two buttons that lift up when you go sure. to take the handle off, okay? Yeah, yeah, I'd put a little tape on there, and then I'd go out and I'd tell Jan, Paige, Phil Davidson, hello, yeah, this Phil, hello, hello, hello. God dang it, this damn phone is broken. And I'm over there dying laughing, and everybody had something. Gene Hendricks was always ill. He was always ill till it was come to fishing time. Yeah. Oh. So one day, the maddest he ever got mad at me, I bought him a little doctor's kit, those plastic doctor's <laughs> kits. He threw it at me. He got so <laughs> damn mad. You know, it was like, oh, my God. I was mean, too. You know, the, the chairs had four legs on them, and I'd take a caster out of one because I came from office furniture, the business, so I know. So you knew They what would to sit do. in it, and they'd go flying backwards. I go, well, how'd that come out? I here, let me help you. I said, I don't know how it came out. Normally, they don't. It was me taking them out. Let me
1: ask you this. Yeah. If you could um, either be on the air or just be in the building and work with somebody, dead or alive, that is no longer
2: working with you now, who would that be? I mean, that's a tough one for me. It's a loaded question. I love all you guys. I mean, I'm not kidding. And and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You were so talented all of you thank you that's a tough question because I do pale in comparison and in doing what you guys did and I don't know if people realize when these guys go on and and I'm a guy that flies by the seat of my pants hell if somebody walks by I ask them come in I'm talking to them I don't have anything going <laughs> these guys are so prepared and so professional and so wonderful there are so many people that it would it be fun. I mean, Doug and I were pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't work together on the air because he had other partners, but I did later in my career. I did with Doug called the Stain Game. The and he stain always had, game. Yeah, he always had crap on his sweater. And you never know what it was. So I had to open up the phone lines and say, hey, for a dinner, guess what Doug has on his sweater today? Phones would go crazy. Is it ice cream? No, not ice cream. And then I had it where Doug goes, hey, thanks a lot. Today, it was gravy. And so that became a whole bit. I mean, so, but man, oh, man, I got to tell you, the the talent that was at ROK and ZOK, and it was second to none. And when I tell you there will never be anything like it, first of all, to get all the talent of you guys right now in and Wicker, and they couldn't afford what it would cost them with oh. all this talent. Oh, really? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and the business has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get that. Things move on and they change. And mm-hmm. when I tell people some of the different people you work with and they go, really? I go, I'm not kidding. I mean, this is like a who's who. So what you're doing is preserving, you know, something that Rockford, I don't think Rockford even realized what a wonderful station it was. And you were from Missouri, right, Liz? God, Liz comes in. She's hot, man. She is, like, hot. This chick is so hot. And she's like, Miss Missouri. I mean, it's like, okay, now you're just messing with us, you know. True story, man. It was like, damn. And in her voice, she goes, Hi. And it's like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Oh. You fold up like a lawn chair. Oh, I and you do. Immediately. Are you
2: kidding? You know, Holy the,
1: crap. You know the nice part about this industry? Yeah. And I think it's really unique to radio. Is I can get on the phone and I can talk to Kelly Ryan, for instance. Right. Or Johnny Marks. Rob Cutter that I used to work with in Freeport. And you can instantly bring back that memory on a phone call because you're hearing the voice that in most cases, it, it hasn't deteriorated. Right. It hasn't altered. Right. And all of a sudden, it's that big flood that comes back. Right. Doug McDuff is 81 years old. Do you think he sounds any different? No. No. He doesn't. Doug is a
2: great, He's
1: solid as a rock. And of course, he's the Robin Williams, too. You go, hey, Doug, how you doing? And 30 minutes later, you get another question Right,
2: (laughs) right, right. You know, it is something, though, guys. And I came into being on the air later in the career in sales. They didn't want us talking to you guys. You guys were on your own island where you were the performance. You were everything that we were selling. You were our product. And they didn't disappoint. And when people talk about the R-O-K and Z-O-K, and, uh, it wasn't by accident, all the no, different no, no. things that happened. It was very orchestrated, very well done. And, you know, some of the names, I mean, Kenny decosta I love him as as my own brother. I love Kenny, man. And Kenny and I had some great memories. We're doing a football game, and I have to go to the bathroom. And I forgot to turn my mic off, so oh. all you hear is me. Now, luckily, I wasn't doing the big thing. Because, man, you would have heard something. And you would go, oh, my God, that stinks, too. But it was like you hear me go, oh, oh. And DeCoster is crying. He is crying. Because he can't do anything about he can't it. can't do anything. I'm peeing on the air. It's like, you know. I, Did you
1: do that great big Tom Hanks pee in the League of their own where it just goes on and on oh, yeah, and, and, and on?
2: This, and it was like one of these. I mean, okay, as you get older, guys. You don't you hear these young guys in a studio it's like an elephant going. And then it's like shh 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 it's like damn it. And here it is on the radio. And you're trying it's to on- get back on the air. Oh yeah, because but you I can't can hurry, hurry it along. Oh yeah. No. And then you get in a hurry. True story, man. And you, you're trying to hurry up, get in. It never fails. You pee down your leg trying to put everything back. <laughs> And it's like, oh my God! So I gotta go on for all these people on the sidelines with Pete on my leg. So me, being the rocket scientist I am, I get a pop from the concession stand and act like, oh shoot, I dropped some no. on my pants. You know, because
1: you are the king of bullshit.
2: Yeah, yeah, you don't know, so I did that. Do you yeah, still have that true. crown, by the way? Oh, yeah. Because it was a
1: nice little crown at <laughs> one time.
2: Yeah, and you know what? It wasn't paper things- like
1: Burger King. No, it was no, nice. It
2: was awesome. It was and like one a of the things tiara. Guy- one of the things these guys would do is uh, I had a sign over my desk, and it says, once you fake sincerity, you have it made. And everybody signed it says, we believe you have it made. Oh. So they didn't think I was sincere. That's a great. Are you kidding? I love people. I care about them. <laughs> you know now. And now you're getting me, angry about yeah, it. <laughs> because if they bought from me, I loved them a little bit more. If they didn't, <laughs> bastards, you know, what the hell's wrong with you guys? But then
1: you're back knocking on their door a week later oh, going, yeah. hey, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it yeah. going? I got, I heard, some, I got I, something new for you this I week. I got
2: to tell you, Summer said he told uh, a story about <laughs> him going out. He was going into sales. And he went out on a call with me, and I don't mind telling you, it was. Are me, you Jimmy? I am. Oh. And what oh. happened is, I go in. I hear your
4: side. Yeah. And the
2: guy, well, I go in. It's this place I've been calling on, and I just tell him I start. Yeah. You know, I said they're about ready to get rid of me. I need something. I wish if you could help me, I'd really appreciate it. And I said, you know what? Uh, I said my wife's not working. And I said we had some kids, and so I made this big long sad story up. I get in the car. Summers goes, Dean, I'm so sorry, man. I didn't know that's all happened. I said, what? what you just told the guy? I said, oh, that was bullshit. I just needed an order. So that's what it was. <laughs> and Steve's jaw drops. He's yeah, going, oh, my God, this is my initiation to sales? Yeah, true story. And so he said, Dean, I told the story, but I changed it to Jimmy. I said, oh, I don't care. You can change it to anything. There's got to be a statue of limitations. <laughs> yeah. and, and the guy... He did buy. He goes, oh, Dean, I, don't, I feel bad. I'm sorry. I did not know this was all happening to you.
1: Did you ever have any, uh, I guess, uh, backfire with uh, what was said on the air by somebody? Oh, well, yeah. Probably always. Lee Carrick
2: oh, would be a good yeah. example
1: that put you in a hot spot with your advertisers.
2: Oh, you know what? You'll always, anytime you're in, in there, you know, the news department, we used to have a standard line. Hey, that's the news department. I can't control separate entity. They say it's separate. Yep. It doesn't matter. I appreciate your business. It's not just you. It's everybody. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when you're in this business, some nobody wants bad publicity. Yeah, I mean everybody has had that, where you know you have to backtrack and.
1: But if something, I, I guess there's a difference too. If something happened in an advertiser's parking lot, you can't deny that. You That's have to correct. report it, and it happened, correct. and I'm not saying it was your fault. Right. But let's say, for let's say, for instance, somebody went on the air and said, oh, my God, I went over to ABC Company. You know, they're, they're brand new in the area, and their hamburgers
2: suck. I've had that happen with, you have. with the you know, the big hamburger place, and uh-huh. I, they were my client. You know, you just have to tell them. Uh, the one that I really got into a jam with— They were talking about a product that hadn't been released yet. And they asked me, can you tell them to stop talking about it? And the on-air person said, I didn't say it. I said, well, they said you said it. I got to make sure it was the hamburger deluxe or something when they came out. Oh, when
1: they separated the hot and the cold, that type of thing?
2: Yeah, something like that. So I really had a battle with that because sometimes on-air people, you know, they don't want to really be challenged by clients. I get that. Yeah. you got to have some kind of freedom. But of, then
1: you're also wondering, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the air staff wants new tidbits. They want to yeah. be on the edge of what's happening. Sort of have to ask yourself, how did they get that information? Right. If it hasn't been released and they're not supposed to talk about it
2: and there's no press release, how did they even know about it? That would have been the interesting question. You know, the one thing, and I, I've done radio for a long time, longer than probably you two have been born. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I think if I was having on-air people, I would send them through like a six weeks uh, basic camp of going out and trying to sell. You're amazing. You had a phenomenal company, Tim, where you you. could do that. Liz, you do that. I mean, you're amazing. And I think it gives you the side of how can you help. And you know what, guys? I will tell you, and we've had some laughs in talking about this. I try to at least be concerned. Is everything perfect? It's not. Mm -hmm. But... At least if you show some concern, yeah, you know, they can deal with that.
1: Well, honestly, I think back in the ROK and ZOK days, maybe 70s and into the 80s for sure, the more promotions that we did on the street, and that could be just right. passing out bumper stickers and albums. It didn't have to be a remote or a big chili shootout or anything like that. But we were out in the public. I mean, if there was a chance and the gas tank was full... We would grab the keys to the van and just go. That was sort of our barometer, like you're saying with the sales, because you never know who you would run into. There could be one of your biggest advertisers come up and say, hey, how you doing? And you would have no clue who they are right? because you don't call on them. But yet they didn't come up and they didn't bitch to you. They came up and they shook your hand and they were smiling and they loved you. right? And that was sort of our way of barometer. We're now, I think... Industry-wide, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect that the on-air staff don't have that sensitivity to what's happening on the street.
2: You guys are outgoing. What a lot of people don't realize, so many people on the air are introverts. They're shy. You know, it's hard for them. But you give them a mic, you get them up on stage, and they'll do their bit. I mean, they'll do that. There's a switch that There is a switch. I like laughing and messing around. And people go, Dean, hey, he's the guy I'd like to have at our party because he can make everybody laugh and do these things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I kind of like to be the guy in the corner. I don't, I really do get it. But <laughs> you guys are the exception to where you're out there and you're ambassadors. You made people feel like they were your friends and part of your family, and that's a real, real talent. Man, that makes things so much easier. Hey, I ran into Tim or I ran into Liz. I love those guys. Yeah, I know. Oh. I love them too. Thanks. Hey, let's buy something. So it was always easy that way. <laughs> well, thank so you, you guys. And and I'm being honest about that. I know I'm going back and forth with. <laughs> yeah.
1: He does sort of sort of tuck away the bullshit thing every now and then, but then it
2: creeps back. Oh out yeah, again. you do. You go back <laughs> and forth, and that's kind of the way I did. And that's so it's what, hard for us to detect with what yeah okay, what hat you're wearing. Being real, is he making fun of me, that bastard? <laughs> Mr. Sucker, to you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, and one of the things you, man, you guys are like all together. I got to tell everybody. This is so funny, man. Like, I I fly by the seat of my ass. That's no kidding. I I don't plan any. I get a sheet from Tim. Hey, here's some of the questions we're going to ask you. Hey, was it you? So anyway, I I started laughing. I thought, oh, my God. And then they send me a picture because he knows I'm an idiot. I'm going to get lost here's the building dean take a look at it here's where you go with an arrow with a great big yellow arrow yeah, yeah. because we're so, in a
1: mall so yeah. there's a lot of choices of doors for you to so, walk into right.
2: so i decide okay i'm gonna put this shit in my computer i have somebody do it because let's be real i don't know what i'm doing so they put it. my computer goes out and i'm going last friday i'm thinking. Man, I think I'm supposed to be on with Tim and those guys. No, it's this Friday. I had to call him I and mean, he goes, what an asshole. This guy, get it get it right. But You send him had, everything and he yeah, loses it. Yeah, and and honest to God, you've got all these these questions and stories. And it's like, and you talk about DeCoster. He probably had it all typed out, his answers oh. and stuff. And same, you know, Pressman will be the same way. And then you get me, who is just <laughs> like, what? I don't remember. No, and, and you know, one of the things, the best uh, – the person I've ever interviewed was Jethro Bodine, Max Baer Jr. No way. Yeah, really? I got from him on. From the Clampets? From the Clampets. Uh, what was he that about? He was opening a casino out in Nevada and he wanted to get some word out. So uh, I had Jethro on and Jethro had been drinking. Oh, no. So I said, Hey, Max, can you do a promo for me? Oh, no. That when you're listening to <laughs> ROK, you know, you're listening to Dean Irvin. <laughs> Hi. This is Jeff Bodine. You're listening to Dean on WH. God damn it. Son of a bitch. And this one. So me being the rocket scientist that I am, I do the promo where I have it, only I just beep a little bit out so they can hear him doing this stuff. And it was hilarious. Did he only I, do one cut for you? One cut. Oh, no. And, and then he goes, <laughs> God damn it. He said, I got wooden teeth. He says, they, they, they don't work. And this guy i asked him do you like all the people that were in the beverly oh you know irene ryan she was a damn smoking machine she's always had a goddamn cigarette in her mouth and you know and it was like oh my god he was hilarious just hilarious so and you know the one guy that always used to bring stuff to us um dan burke was dan did you guys know dan no dan had a a deal going and Dan has passed away rest his soul. Is he a but client an advertiser? No, he was a guy that came in and would run the board for me for high school football. But Dan oh. would call all these manufacturing companies, Mattel, all these different food plates. I would get all this stuff oh. to give away. So oh. it was pretty slick. Oh, till a big trailer or truck comes in, I had 300 cases of Mattel toys. To give away, they go, where is this stuff coming from? It was the one that got Max Baer for me. That was amazing. The, um, the coffee Keurigs, yeah. I get those by the pallet loads. Because you talk about it. Yeah. Oh, and I'd interview them, and yeah, I love my Keurig. I don't drink coffee. I don't know anything about it, but it sounded good. You know, so we. Do you drink them.
1: anything? That's my question.
2: Uh, you know, um, water maybe. Cause no, you, no water. Because you didn't even want, want a water from no, me today. Diet Coke. You see, my drink of choice. Oh. You know, but uh, again, uh, you can't do a lot of drinking when you eat as much as I do. Um, you know, I'm just big bones. So you're a you foodie. When they'd say big bones. I'm just a fat ass.
1: What's that? <laughs> you're a foodie person. Oh uh,
2: yeah, yeah. You're kidding. Really? Yeah, just something. So, so,
1: what was your favorite restaurant from the past? You remember the Mayflower? Oh, Mayflower the... was good. Yeah, you remember that those? That was really
2: good. I'm trying to think. There were so many ground round down there yeah. on East State. Yeah. yeah um, Bellamys was top you know, at the Clock Tower. Bellamys was like, it was like a big star restaurant. Yes. And Fred Snow and I became. He was the food and beverage man at Clock Tower. Mm-hmm. He wasn't married, didn't have a lot of friends. I would go to dinner with him once a week, and we'd go to Bellamy's. Now, this is something you'd never be able to afford. They had, I'll never forget, the baked potato was like, they bring a baked potato and bring a cart, and you have like 40 different toppings. You right. know? Oh, wow. So it and was the,
1: really cool. And the beef wellington? Yeah, Oh, all of my goodness. Damn. And the, yeah, they so always had a piano room. player in the corner. Remember that? Yeah. All, all, all hey, the maybe, glass walls?
2: Yeah, maybe you guys can help me with something. Okay. What, is, what is about radio people? You suddenly think you shouldn't have to pay for anything. You've got to pay for, uh, honest to God, there's no food I'm going to pay for. There's you know, no entertainment I'm going to pay for. Are you kidding me? I'm not buying that. Will you give me something like that? Uh, when did this become a thing where you've got to get everything for free? Well,
1: it's your fault. It you, is. You, you, being in the sales department, it's your fault. Right. If you give us this, then we will talk about you and look at the value of the advertising. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then it explodes from there. Yeah. It goes into tickets and clothing it and It was John,
2: everything. It was John Carlson menswear yes. suits. I it would was. trade suits and shirts for Ron Galena. Would you really? Yeah. I did some of that. Oh my God. I did God. some trading. In TV, they were all trading fools. So it was neat. It was all our. Is Wait, T V
1: more so than radio? Yeah,
2: I think so. Really? Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep.
1: I wouldn't think that they would have the space to yeah, to afford to do trades. Because yeah, you've they only did. got so many commercials on right. TV.
2: That was a long time ago. That was a time though where salespeople would go to lunch and you'd have three and four martinis and stuff. Yeah. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff? Well, and, and it's, it's like people do business on the golf course. It's along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got kicked out of a few restaurants with Galena. We'd get there at eleven and play till about three, and they'd go, "You guys got to go."
1: You're playing poker at a restaurant? Yeah,
2: it was dollar bills.
1: Yeah, so. but what happened to five o'clock at night? You're doing this at noon? You know
2: what? There, you got to have downtime, Tim. <laughs> Why do I have yeah. to? It's
1: downtime,
2: and you know.
1: You never went to jungle gyms, did you? No, no. that would be
2: wrong. <laughs> No wonder they went out of business and sign no,
1: sign your name and walk away. Oh, that yeah. would be wrong. And you'd look
2: around, it was all media people. Yeah. Everything was media.
1: Do you remember who was anchoring T V seventeen when you were there?
2: Yeah, Bruce Richardson. Was Bob Lewis also there on uh, sports? he was. And Bob Kevron? And Bob Kevin. Wow. Oh, can I tell you my Bob Kevin yeah. story? Sure. I love Bob Kevin. And Bob is he st- I don't even know if he's still alive. Don't, don't know. Glow.
1: Can't be real sure.
2: We used to do these public service announcements, and they had me doing some of the voices for them, and Bob had a new engineer. Bob gets in there and he goes, today we're doing a <laughs> pancake supper. At, and the guy goes, uh, uh, stop, stop, sorry. Didn't have something. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Ready? Okay. Hi, today we're doing a pancake supper. Uh, oh, no, no, the levels are right. Hold on. This went on for about five times. Bob, and you never, he'd go, God damn, son of a bitch. You know, will you get the damn thing right? And outside, I'm laughing, and so... Then he finally, hey, today we're having a pancake supper. It went on. There was some crazy shit. Bob
1: was always the two-toed sloth meteorologist. Yeah. Wasn't
2: he funny? Oh, God. God. And, you know,
1: I grew up out by the TV stations. Yeah, yeah. So 23, TV 17, and TV 13. Yeah. They were all going by our house in news cars. Well, then one time we were out riding bikes. You know you're on a country road you know there's no sidewalks so you sort of have to be careful and you're 10 years old and bob lewis damn near hit us and that was not when you were preoccupied with cell phones or anything like that it's just the way it is you get these crazy ass kids on bikes that are zigzagging all over the place and the idea (laughs) that if he actually did much less kill us and then they would cover the story. Yeah. <laughs> that your sports guy, crazy. plowed over some kids Isn't on the country road. Yeah, but I remember seeing Chuck Faber and all, all those guys. Yep. Yes, they were coming all out by. There. Yeah, because we, they were sort of in our neighborhood. We I got to tell there. you
2: before I forget one story. This was a great. I used to call on a company called Video Outlet here in town. Oh and sure. And I would get all of their um, tapes that, you know, they would. Get uh, co-op for, which is that help pay for the advertising. Lee Carrick's getting ready to go on. I'm not thinking much about him. And you know, you got all us funsters. We had ways of putting in a tape, hit our speaker so it's through the whole building through the intercom system. Intercom system. So I'm doing this with one, thinking I'm hilarious. It's an X-rated video, and you hear, oh, oh, it's so, and just I mean, you can imagine. It went on and on and on. And I'm dying laughing, thinking, oh, that's hilarious. I pull it out. I go out of the office into the lobby. I did not know Lee Carrick had six people as guests. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. And who are you with? We are cantors from the Jewish community. I said, well, I want to apologize for what you just heard. And I'll make sure tomorrow that whoever did that, I will address it with them it was me it was like oh my
1: god again you had your bullshit crown on yeah. wow hey by great. the way yeah. liz is the queen of google <laughs> i suck at google i do too uh she found out just minutes ago that bob keverin is still alive he's god bless him 85 god years old god and he's living him. in rockford
2: good for him. he's a great guy
1: I, I wish that they would do pieces on those people I understand where they probably is would not. He
2: one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I love Bob Kevin.. Yeah. And, uh, Kim Leepak was out there for a while.
1: Roger Peters said that I will get you Kim Lepak's phone number because right. Kim right. would right. do sports updates on Riley's show in the afternoon. Okay. So he was sort of part of the family, too, sort of like Sue Morose was. Right, yes. right. And he's down in DeKalb. And okay. he just gave me his phone number the other day, and we could chat with Kim. too. Yeah, I'm going to get too. you
2: guys a couple of phone numbers, too, because everybody has such a different perspective. And, you know, I think I'm funny and think I'm doing a lot of cool stuff, and you'll get Phil Davison going, Dean was the biggest asshole I've <laughs> ever known. You know, <laughs> Phil had that southern drum. Yeah, of course. I'm getting cash this time. Do you remember, this is cash. Do
1: you remember Amy Cox? I do. She was uh, one of our interns the first year, and then she was hired on in the uh, department up there with Barb Reynolds and Jan and Linda. Her and Sandy sat down because they were interns uh, at the radio station, not at the same time. Sure. And they still get together twice a week and exercise. She, no, she has been a friend of ours since that day one back in 1985.
2: That is so cool. So
1: she's sitting at this table. And, of course, Sandy and them are bringing up topics and stuff like this. And she says, um, now this is Amy talking. She goes, you know, one of the toughest days that I ever had at WROK. This was all tongue-in-cheek. She thinks she's funny. She's like you. Yeah. And she <laughs> says, Riley O'Neill came to me with a very straight face and a conversation in the, in the snack room and said, you – are not funny. And of course, everybody else is dying laughing at whatever she said. She says, Riley, at that day, crushed my soul. Oh. She says, I have never been the same. And of course, it's all tongue-in-cheek because she didn't
2: give a shit. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. So,
1: yeah, so those memories, like, Riley crushed my soul. No, he didn't. Not really.
2: Because <laughs> you're still a smart ass. <laughs> there were certain things you did. Ron's day, he'd come in, 8 o'clock. He'd look at the paper. Then he'd put it down. He'd go in the toilet, take a dump. If you're in there, you better get out because it's his dump time. Nobody else's. Guy's worth a gazillion dollars. And on Saturday, he'd bring his garbage to dump it at the radio station. You're kidding me. Yeah, true story. That's, yeah, true story. And it's like, do you remember he had a big Lincoln Continental? This oh, thing yes. Went, that was. Like
1: driving a city block, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. And I'm it afraid. was.
2: Humphrey Cadillac. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right.
1: Wow. I feel bad. We do not have the third microphone set
2: up here. She can set on my lap. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm offering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right hey, then. All right. Okay. This is really I ga-
1: exciting. I, I got a visual on that that I cannot like get rid I, of.
2: Not like I do. <laughs> I stay right here. I'm good. But, this we, but got a Look how red she got.
1: We we just came back. I'm from wearing d- underwear. <laughs>
2: Put them on today because I thought maybe I didn't set up everything. Oh my yeah.
1: God, this is this is not even a, a pertinent
2: story compared now, to I don't have underwear. Yeah, no, I don't. I normally I don't. I did today because what if I had to go to the bathroom? I can't come out with my pants all wet. Well, and you could. Right, I could. But you we guys would, would look at it. We would say, understand. No, you wouldn't look at it. You'd just look in the vicinity. <laughs> yes, yes. Now let me ask you. You guys have a lot of guests on. Um, I hope I'm fitting into the format of what everybody has. Oh yes, done. we have a
1: very strict format, <laughs> Dean. Yeah, awesome. Yes. I see that. Yes. Yeah,
2: and and you'll be telling everybody, Jesus. Christ, yeah. Christ, we well, had, you know there is
1: a there is a delete button. Yeah. So. Hmm.
2: Have you been deleting? We
1: could. We could. You've
2: been deleting. You me? know, down
1: the road, Dean's going to say, no, "Hey, hey, when can I hear my episode?" I'm going. I'm sorry that. That's sort of... Uh, we,
2: we all listen to it back. You suck so bad. We got to get rid of... Is there a time element on this thing?
1: <laughs> no, there's no rules really? in podcasts. None. 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 I you, love this. Let me, let me tell you the difference here, too, because yeah. you've, you've been in this for a long time. Yeah. Incidentally, the end of my story is we visited right. with Lisa Den at WGN. Yeah. And we brought all, Did all the... Did she e- ask
2: about me? No. Bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're bringing all the equipment back in, and I forgot to set up the third mic. So that's yeah. the end of that story. That's all right. Okay.
2: Did anybody ask about me?
1: No, they're all bitches. They are. They are.
2: You know what? But, but you know, you have... guys are the only two that but, never forgot me.
1: But they have other stories.
2: Yeah. You know, but so they you suck. just
1: you end up on I the mean, cutting room funny.
2: floor. Well. I used to tell McDuff if you were that funny on the air, you'd still be in Milwaukee. You know Whoa, what? I, yeah. that's
3: yeah. a low blow.
2: Oh, I used to work in Milwaukee. Do you remember that idiot? Him and Dan Willis when the Baltimore Orioles went on their losing streak. And they did a 19-game losing streak, and these guys never left the station. First day was funny. Second day it didn't make sense, but it was funny. Third day it was really kind of funny, but didn't still make a lot of sense. They were getting calls from Chicago. What are you guys doing? You know you're not Baltimore, right? Yeah. So it was that kind of thing. Okay, about a week into this, it was not funny anymore. They wanted to be done. Yes. That was a promotion just going to hell in a hat
1: basket. But you started it. Yeah, and you've got to. So you have to end it.
2: Not my idea. No, I it was it Doug's was, idea. I think it was Doug's idea.
1: Yeah, and he it went he went into Vern Nolte and he goes, "Well, fine, do what you want to do," because you know Vern always gave everybody a long leash. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it just snowballed and right. like, but oh they god! they said once what? it starts, I
2: know you're not going to stop. <laughs> you got to finish and it. Did you get him the yeah.
1: recliners? I did. You got them the recliners For from right. an advertiser.
2: Right. Everybody was bringing in food. Yeah, supporting everybody. the cause. So you know Doug would hate that. <laughs> You know, free food, free. Yeah. Dan didn't know anything better.
1: You know, believe it or not, Dan and Doug still talk once a week. Dan's in Florida.
2: Oh, wow, I didn't know that.
1: And once a week, one of those guys will call the other guy and just.
2: just they got very, very close. Yeah. You know, just to see how
1: everybody's doing.
2: Okay, I got to tell you my favorite Dan Willis and Doug. Okay. This is terrible. <laughs> Rick McLaughlin was getting married. I love him. Yeah. So, Rick, we had a bachelor's party for him out at the rockford speedway in one of their rooms oh my so we're out there unbeknownst to me because this is not how i would be i'm more of a gentleman they hire a stripper
0: oh (laughs) they get
2: with the stripper and say hey get doug and dan up on stage we'll get them chairs and as you're dancing around we'll pay you to rip their Hair off. Their toupees? Yes. No. I don't think this is a good idea, but I chipped in the money, of course, because, <laughs> you know, I'm always up for something. So you only thought it was a bad idea up to a point. To a point. So yeah. she's up there dancing and Doug's into it, you know. She oh. grabs both their hair, rips it off. Well, what she doesn't realize, Doug's came right off. His is tape. Dan Willis has his weaved into his other head. Oh, God. So it... Okay. You can imagine... Dan, I thought, was going to kill her. He got up. We had to keep oh. him away. You talk about a prank that went bad. That was a bad one. Oh, God. And I've never forgotten it. That's wow. just not a good idea. That hurts. But that hurts.
1: Yep. Just the thought
2: of it. That's what it was.
1: By the way, when you bring up Rick McLaughlin, yes. there have been more than a half a dozen people say that he's one of their favorite guys. Yeah. A incredible news professional great voice man. yeah oh very, and very, funny oh yeah. my when him and riley would get and go back and forth yeah. rick was so funny i love and those we, guys. we right. lost him before he turned 50
2: yeah it's not good yeah
1: you but know. boy we've got a lot of memories from him we've got a lot of yeah, air checks we've got good. some pictures and, so
2: i yeah. can i ask you a question maybe in, Uh-oh, in Uh oh turn the table yeah, here well, you know, we I'm go just, i'm just curious here you're, we go you're doing this What's been your favorite memory, I mean, of getting everybody together? I mean, you guys have really done a lot of work. And you have met or talked to a lot of the history of ROK. What's been a surprise, and what have you loved the most about it?
1: The surprise for me is what we learned from Lisa Dent, because I did not realize all the details and the chronological order of all that she has done. And you think you know people. Steve Summers had all, you know, he's a great storyteller to begin with. Right. So he had so many things on the ZOK side, which, you know, being on the ROK side, I sort of remember the fringe part of it, or I see a picture or something. Right. But I never knew the core story. He was like a flowing fountain of information. Sure, Yeah. Sure. You know, it's, it's just really cool to, um, to listen to those stories about people that they worked with But they worked with him in an entirely different way. You worked with Ron Galena in an entirely different way than I did. Sure. Yeah. Same thing with Fred Spear. Same thing with Bob Pressman. And the program directors, you know, when you talk about um, Steve Brill and Kipper McGee and Charlie Quinn, Charlie Quinn especially. Everybody's got a different angle. And then you go, really? Holy crap. I didn't know that about him. Because everybody's got something else going on.
2: Yeah. And Liz, what about you?
4: Well, my big thing is that I, I never really was involved with R.O.K. a lot. Right. So, and I never had the chance to meet Vern Nolte because oh. I came five months after he had passed. So learning about him and seeing everybody has said that he is like an Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Everybody. That's what. It, and what I, you know. I never knew him that way. And I found it fascinating. And the different people that you talk about and where they are, that's what's surprising to me. Like I worked with John Ivey and Greg Strassel, who are both now at the opposite ends of the of the United States. One's in California, one's in New York. Wow. But you know, they're all bigwigs. But it was all way back when, when we were all learning. And we had fun. And you were mentioning some things about being ambassadors. And that's how I felt. Yeah. I felt that the radio station, and specifically the on-air folks, because that's where my background was, we were ambassadors of the radio station. Every time you were out and about, you
2: you were it. And you guys, you guys you will never it. say this, but you guys were big-time celebrities. I mean, you really were. I know you don't like to think that, but that's the truth. I mean, every time a big concert would come, they would want one of you guys Yeah,
4: I remember that. And that and, you know,
2: celebrities. You
4: mentioned the free stuff and yeah, you're right. We were so used to it. We're so used to free stuff. I hate paying for things now. I know. Now. I, it? Hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Call me. It. And I will. <laughs> and I um I do did do sales for a while as well because I right. needed to learn that aspect. I already knew the on-air aspect and Sure. and the promotions, but it's a tough job and I appreciate everything you have done. You and so I serious. love everything that you're saying, all these stories. It's It's fascinating for me to hear it from their side from the guests side because I have my view from when I was there but I don't know what it's like from their Mm -hmm. eyes right so this has been fun
2: you know what guys and at my age I'm 69 years old gonna be 70 this year and as you look back at everything I've often thought what would I want people to remember about Dean Irvin Mm. and I think what I would like is to say hey He was really a great guy. He was a funny guy. He was a guy that if you needed something, he would be there for you. Oh, very true. That's what I want to be known for. I got a question for you. We had a guy on ROK Mornings, Charlie. Was it Charlie?
1: Charlie O'Neill.
2: Is that who it was? Yeah,
1: he came from WMAQ in Chicago. That's
2: who it was. Yep. Okay. I'm at a Christmas party. Now, guys, I didn't go to many Christmas parties because nothing good can happen. Oh. That's the way I always looked at <laughs> yeah. it. And it's Charlie and his wife. They've both been drinking. His wife starts telling me, I think they're going to fire Charlie. No, they're not going to fire him. He's doing great a few minutes later. I really do think they're going to fire him. I don't know what. No, no, he's yeah. going to be fu- hmm. fine. I think they're really going to fire. Now, the third time, I'm trying to eat. I looked at her. I said, you know what? Yeah, they are going to fire that fucker. And, <laughs> and I go back to eating. She leaves. I don't think anything... I come out in the lobby. Jan Thorpe goes, you've got Charlie's wife crying. What did you say? Well, I just agreed with her. I just, I'm eating. I used the big word. Has anybody used the big word but me? No, no. I'm the first? Yeah, 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 yeah. How about that? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a first for Storyteller Studio. I'd like to be remembered as the guy that did it. Thank you all very much for listening. Let's all say it at home. Let's practice, kids. Ready? Tim's all bright oh, ready. He's going, God. Jesus. Oh, no, never get another guy like him. No, I'm, not I'm on a- drugs. I just, you know. Sorry, that's what I said. No,
1: I get I get, I get a little uh, nervous because I'm the guy that needs to edit this. Yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah.
2: Are you going to edit that? Well, no. you know.
1: No, no, we're not going to edit that, but I'm just saying I'm the editing guy, so, you know, I sort of get a little nervous yeah, when, I when I
2: have extra work to do. Oh, was that bad? <laughs> no. No. It was okay. just different. It was just
1: different, Dean. Yeah. It was just, it's not bad. It's not You're bad. Sure? Let's just send him away nice. Yeah. No. It, not bad. It's, it's fine. What the fuck? It's fine. I mean, it should Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, I, I got another, uh, when you talk about the talent that came through here, yeah. and I, I can't remember yeah, let's what, go story, to that. what story Sorry. I'm grabbing onto. I went down to Missouri for uh-huh. my dad's 90th birthday. Okay. And we had people from Arizona, Tennessee, Virginia, the Illinois. They all sort of came in, and we had this celebration. So, of course, my cousin Tina, who I had not seen for quite some time, because uh, she doesn't live in the Tri-Cities area. She lives in Richmond. So she's like four and a half hours away. Right. So every time we go down to Virginia, she doesn't necessarily come in. All right, what are you doing? Tell me about this whole Storytellers thing. Tell me about this podcast thing. Okay, so I'm telling her. And she said, um, one of my favorite guys, his name is Jeff. Jeff, I said, you're in Richmond, right? She goes, yeah, yeah I can't remember his last name. He's on Mix something. I said, Jeff Wicker? She goes, yeah. How, how did you know that? Because we worked together at the radio station. And just unsolicited. That's what's cool. When somebody says that person is so good and they have no idea that you know them, that is a really cool thing.
2: Jeff had the ability, and, and Liz, you're a lot like this too, where, and same with you, Tim. I guess, you know, when you're talking to somebody. It's like you're so focused on that. There's nobody else around. Now, me, I'm, I'm all over the place, man. I'm looking around. That might, guy might be more important. I might need this guy. So, Tim, what would you say? You know, but you guys are so focused. That's what makes you so good. And Jeff was that way, too, where yeah. you're the only person in the room. Yeah. I mean, that's a talent. I mean, you guys have that. And it's like, man, that blows me away. Well, thank you. It's really
1: cool. You know, Chuck Doyle mentioned when he sat down here, he said something that he communicated with Jeff Wicker maybe a year ago, something like that. And Jeff had mentioned that he still has a prayer card from somebody's funeral that him and Chuck both knew. It's like, are you kidding me? And he still uses it decades later. And that is the epitome of one, Chuck remembers stuff like nobody's business, and it's the other side that Jeff does that, and he's so sensitive in those I levels. I love
2: Chuck Doyle, one of the nicest guys around. He yeah, is so cool. You
1: know, him and I have known each other since we were 16 years old. We worked at WLUV together. Yes. When Joe Salvi died in 2020 at the age of 98, you know, nobody knew what to do with the station. There was no wife, no kids, no nothing like that. His niece Sue called us old guys and said. Can you come help me? I don't know radio. Can you come help me? So Chuck and I have been in contact with each other, spotty. But now all of a sudden, we're in the same room. We're working on the same project. And I started doing live shows once a week. And Liz joined us a little bit later after the initial meeting. And then she's in up to her shoulders. The thing about Chuck that I don't honestly know if he did this consciously. I would have no clue. And he wouldn't have a clue either. But he would call me every Wednesday morning. Hey, how's it going? Now, I did one to three in the afternoon on Wednesdays. And he would just shoot the shit or ask a question or whatever. And it was a boost, sort of like that beehive boost. You know, you're talking with somebody in the same language type of thing. And he would get me charged up where I was ready to roll by the time 1 o'clock was around. He did the rock
2: and roll. Maybe he still does. He still does. That was something and I worked on. Did you really? Yeah. And that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to do that. Chuck made the money and I got the credit of selling the guy three or four commercials. So,
1: so here's the kicker on this. When you awesome. talk about free things in radio, here's the kicker. He does Friday nights. I think it's like nine to midnight oh, yeah, or something like a that. Zillion dollars. Yeah. He's got an assistant now. Oh, perfect. He's got an assistant and he runs all this music off of an iPad. Chuck stands there with a triangular mic flag from WZOK. And he goes, you know, I'm not trying to boast that I worked for WZOK. He goes, I just have that mat- mic flag on there, so the mic won't roll around on me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so that he dictates funny. what this guy's going to play, and they play it over the speakers through Bluetooth. I mean, that's how things are so different. And he gives away pizzas. You know, it's the same old shtick. So I go out there, because I, I was sort of curious as to see what he did. And, you know, Friday night, nothing to do. Yeah. So I sit down, and he goes, what do you want? I said, what do you mean, what do I want? He goes, what do you want? What do you want to eat? What do you want to drink? I said, well, I'll take, you know, like a burger and fries and a Pepsi. Sure enough, here he comes. I go, here, what do you need? Because I thought he paid for it. Because I know he gets pizzas for free. That's the whole agreement. And he goes, no, I get anything you want. He goes, later on, if you're here long enough and you want something else, just let me know. I'll go get it. (laughs) I This is just like it used to be. I know we i going tonight. Yeah, 26 years later. Like, oh, would Chuck shit a brick if if all three of us showed up?
2: we got to plan on that. Let's plan on Oh, that come on. on. Okay. Some night that'd be fun. You the know, minute
1: you know that you've got a Friday night free. I will
2: call you. I promise. All right.
1: Okay. So
2: every day I go into Steve Summers, who's on his station, and I tell him a joke just to try to cheer him up.
1: You're talking currently. Yeah, you go. You go down the hall to the bull.
2: Yeah, it's a long walk, and I don't like (laughs) it. But you know what? I got to do it. I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, so this morning, there's a farmer got six pigs. They're all females. He's fallen upon hard times. He's just not doing well. Okay. His truck doesn't even run. Okay. So he decides he's gonna put the pigs in the station wagon, take them to the county fair, and sell them gets to the county fair, there's another farmer. Same story, he's got six male pigs. They decide they would form a company and 50-50 they'll get whatever they get. So the next day they decide to meet halfway between houses, about 60 miles, so 30 one way, 30 the other, they meet in the field and their pigs are going to it. And the one farmer with the female pig says, how do I know if this takes or not? The other farmer said, that's easy. If they're rolling in the grass, it took. If they're rolling in the mud, it didn't take, we got to do it again. Okay. So a week straight, he looks out, they're in the mud, he's washing them off, puts them back in the station wagon, they take off again. So finally one morning, he's so tired, he can't hardly see, he tells his wife, can you look out and tell me if those pigs are in the grass or in the mud? The wife looks out and says, well, neither one. They're in the station wagon, and one of them is honking the horn. <laughs> Making bacon. Oh, you know, guys, this has been S- such a pleasure being with you guys. It's yeah. been great. First of all, Thank I love you, you guys. Thank You're like you. my own kids. I really do. I love you, you. Wait a minute.
0: Earlier you
1: said you couldn't stand your kids. Well, my kids I don't like. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right. Because we're just like his kids. No, you guys mean more to me. <laughs> um,
2: you know, it, it's really truly. I love you guys, and the rest, I not so much. But
1: we've had a really good run.
2: You think about it. It really has, and I hope I haven't offended anyone with anything oh, that I. Actually,
1: done. I hope you have, yeah. because you know it's all about ratings. Yeah, so if absolutely. our podcast, when we launch all this, if our podcast ranks higher because somebody said cocksucker or fuck, oh my god, and yeah. and I didn't say it. Holy
2: crap, yeah, we're in good a, shape. You'll have to call DeCoster and just say, Irvin, you're out of control. He'll g- agree with you.
1: Do you know and, what Ken DeCoster said when we were talking about uh, getting a date set uh, for John Strandon to sit in my chair here and Riley O'Neill to sit in the chair that you're yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't have to necessarily be Liz and I. Liz and I will run the board. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you talk to. Sure. So Ken DeCoster says, oh, God. When you get that date, I'm begging you to call me. I said, what are you you talking about? He says, I want to sit in one of these audience chairs because that conversation will be historical. And we can't disagree with him because you know it will go in 40 different directions that you and I would never have even thought about. Johnny
2: is a great guy. Oh. I mean, and how about that news department? There will never be another one like it. No. No. It was like amazing. That's why I said I come in there and it was Bob Brestman, Fred Spear. I'll tell you one story with Fred, and and then I promise I'll stop talking. Okay. But one of the things that really got me interested in radio, um, by marriage with Debbie, her cousin was a deputy sheriff that got shot here in Love's Park, Mike Mayborn. And Fred Spear did the nicest eulogy for the radio that I've ever heard And it was a Saturday morning, and Mike's widow asked, can you go get that? I want to have a copy of that. And Fred met me at WROK on a Saturday morning. I wasn't in that business. I didn't know who he was. And I thought, this guy is like the nicest man I've ever met. I took that back to her. And, you know, when you lose a husband, especially that's been just killed, this meant so much, and that was the first time I had heard of anything with ROK? Okay. So true, true through through your wife, yeah, that would have been 1974 when he was shot in March, because uh, I got married in '73, and he was at the wedding that was in November, and like four months later he was dead.
1: But you know that says a lot about uh, Fred's 40 years. He gained the
2: trust of everybody. He touched so many, oh, and my. if you really get him out, he will tell the stories. Joy Didier, he tells that story. Yeah, and it's like you're compelled. It's like this guy is reading something, and his voice, you know, you don't have voices like no. that.
1: Wait till you hear the uploaded version of our conversation with Ken DeCoster. Ken can do a perfect Fred Spear conversation. Oh yeah, yes. Ken is a funny guy. Uh, I he's
2: he's, he, he oh, he's hilarious. hilarious. Oh yeah, he is a funny guy. And my shtick, anytime I was doing was trying to get him and Pressman. And anybody, uh, Chris Clark, anybody to laugh. That's all I wanted to do. So I'd say crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, and they just bust up laughing. And, that, and then I knew I'd hit a home run. <laughs> but this has been so much fun, you guys. God bless you both for doing it. Thank and you. And you know what? I can't wait to listen to this. But more importantly, to other ones that have been done. And you guys are going the extra mile for everybody that listens to this. This is what they did in the business and made them who they were. Two of the very best to come out of Rockford, and I'm so thrilled that they still stayed in Rockford to make it their homes uh, because they have major talent. They could have gone anywhere, and I just love these two as – something like i can't even explain and that's the truth thank you so i
1: appreciate it. I'm, I'm really glad you came in thank because you. there was no twisting of the arm dean goes pick a date come on let's go let's go yeah, I, said, I, well, do, I said well time. you want to do after eight to five you know because you got a busy day he goes no 10 in the morning let's yeah, go i'm doing it, it on, on their <laughs> time i'm not doing it on my time they're doing
2: it on their time damn them you know <laughs> damn but, them well, yeah, wow uh, yeah. that's the closing quote yeah. damn them <laughs> yeah. I was just kidding I really like you guys over there. <laughs> I'll take care I'll take care of that in the Thank editing you. Thank I'll just you. I'll push that in you well, guys are wonderful Dean thanks Thank a lot. lot Thank you my friend All thanks, right. Liz. take care
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the storytellers studio in celebration of WROK radio's 100th year in broadcasting.